everybody. Good to see y'all. A um, couple of announcements here. Oh, I better not walk away from my clipboard. I got an extra announcement over here. Um, uh, first off, I'll just read this extra announcement we got here. It says, Susan Pender, our Glow missionary to Alaska in June, has some transformation trip reports and thank you letters on the welcome desk. That's out in the foyer there. Feel free to check them out and take a copy for yourself to hear all about uh, that time. Uh, also, after the service today, uh, we do have a meal. I was back there. It looks wonderful. It's waffles and eggs. It's, it's breakfast food. Looks beautiful, delicious. Mm. So get excited for that. Um, this week, uh, our regular, at least scheduled, uh, activities on Wednesday, uh, 9 a.m., there's a touch point with Pastor Stephen Joyce. Uh, looks like they'll be uh, giving a little update on what they've been up to since they've uh, been away for the last couple of weeks, and you can find that online and also on the website. Uh, at 6 p.m. on Wednesdays, we have uh, Amplify Youth Group uh, for the teens and, uh, and I think also middle grade students and also adult fellowship group. So we're welcome to come to that. Um, we have the, our giving boxes on the, on the back wall here um, for our giving. And this morning, uh, just something quick where me and my wife are giving the message and I realized uh, suddenly this morning, oh, I, I also have to talk about giving this morning. Oh, better think about something here. But, <laughs> um, but something short, I guess I was thinking about. Um, I was thinking about... Uh, you I find that I find myself thinking about our child a lot. I don't know if you, those of you are parents and, or who are ever new parents, if you remember having your baby right at the beginning, you find yourself... 95% uh, of your brain power kind of goes to thinking about baby and baby stuff, and you find your kind of your whole life has become sort of uh, revolving around babiness. Am, am I connecting with anybody? Do we know? We felt this before. Um, but what I was thinking about um, in terms of our our child Vela, something, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to. Uh, maybe think about the things in this way, but I find myself learning a lot about what it means to um, be a human being when I'm, when I'm in the presence of, of Vela. I think sometimes as adults, we get kind of wrapped up in, in things that are, um, you know, we, get, we, we think too much perhaps. <laughs> and babies, they just, they, they exist, they live. They're, it's very pure and innocent and beautiful. And so what I find myself thinking about is this, these images in my head, I guess, is the, the way my daughter sees me, the way she reacts and interacts with me, um, isn't logical. <laughs> it's not based on um, some sort of previous experience we have. We don't have this really long relationship. She's only been alive for, for not even five months. And yet, whenever time she sees me, I come home and she sees me, the greeting she gives me is the biggest, most... <laughs> You know, it's like I'm I'm a, I'm a superstar, and I'm and I'm like, why are you reacting this way to me? I'm 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 just Peter Coffin. I'm not anything too special, right? <laughs> but the way she sees me is is different because I'm her father, right? I'm the person who loves her, who cares for her, and she loves me with that that deep, pure, no wild abandoned love. <laughs> there, there's nothing holding her back, and uh, and I see her at all her moments. She she gives me everything. She doesn't just give me that. She also 
uh, shows me every side of herself, right? She, she shows me the worst things um, that she can give me, the, the screaming, the crying, the, she, there's no holding back, right, with, with, uh, with our daughter. And I just, I was thinking about that this morning and uh, had a verse pop it up here. Uh, I was just, I, I thought about this verse this morning. It says, it's in Ephesians 3, 20. Uh, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in this church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Um, I was just thinking about that. What if I came to the Father, Jesus, the way my daughter comes to me, the way she sees me with that complete, there's, there's nothing standing between us. There's no um, hurt. There's no um, emotional distance. There's no walls. It's, it's purely herself enveloped, and she, she knows me as close as she can know anybody, right? What if I came to the Father like that, like a baby, right? Uh, and that's, kind of, that's what Jesus instructed, right? He's like, he said, come, the, the kingdom of heaven is full of, of childlike people who come uh, to him with those wide open arms and readiness to accept him. And there's no walls barred. It's just pure, ah, you're here, right? So that's my thought for this morning. Um, so I'll pray over our giving this morning and just thinking about that. Jesus, we trust you. We're saying that uh, maybe prophetically this morning. Maybe we're in places where we don't feel like a little baby who's just excited to see their dad. Maybe we do have reservations. Maybe there's things and experiences in life that have taught us things that aren't true about you. Um, and so, Jesus, I pray that even in this week, that we would be peeling those things back, all those, uh, all the things that life kind of piles on top of us as we grow and we age, and would bring us back to that place of childlike wonder and being in your presence, pure and wonderful. And there's no bars between us where you could see every bit of who we are, the bad, the good, all of it. Uh, we thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what you're providing for us. In your name, amen. All right. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> so today, I think we're just going to jump right into reading some scripture, and then we'll kind of walk through a few things, but before Peter reads through um, Isaiah 61, I'm sure many of you know this chapter. It's pretty, pretty important chapter, and um, I, I know I've read through it many times, but it seems like the Lord always brings some new things to light um, every time you read scriptures. So, we're actually going to just read through the whole thing, but before he does, um, I want you to keep your eyes open for garden imagery and also where it talks about clothing. So just, just keep that in mind because we're going to dig into that a little bit more, but um, yeah, you'll notice, notice some things there. All right. <laughs> Hello again. Um, here, I gotta get my ducks in a row here. Okay. And I'm actually gonna start reading here in verse uh, 19 
of chapter 60. I'm going to start back just a little way. And I know I didn't tell the projection people that, so you can just wait until I get to the place you're supposed to be in. Um, but it goes like this. It says, The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light. And your God, your glory, the sun shall no longer go down, nor shall your moon withdraw itself. The Lord will be your everlasting light. And the days of your mourning, that's mourning as in sadness mourning, shall be ended. Also, your people shall be righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. The sapling of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand, and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations." Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God, and you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Oh. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. Uh, this is verse 8. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth and will make them an everlasting covenant. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles, their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation." He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its budding, as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. <laughs> yeah. And so... This morning, um, a few things that we want to kind of bring out. There's a lot of stuff there we recognize. It's a, it's a big verse. It's an important verse. And we know it's an important verse because it's the one that Jesus chooses when he introduces himself um, to the world, essentially. In the uh, book of Luke, it says he picks this particular chapter to read out um, in the synagogue and declare himself the Messiah, the one who is going to come and bring about these things. Um, and this isn't the only verse, the only types of verses he could have chosen, but he did choose this verse, so I think it's important. Uh, important for us to take a look at, and we're going to try to bring out a, a few things, I think. Um, and Nea mentioned uh, that 
Something I think I noticed for the first time, really, and maybe the reason I want to talk about it, is this garden imagery that is coming forth. Maybe, maybe you spotted it since we, we told you to, to, to look for it. Uh, and there are a few interesting things in here. And the first uh, that you might kind of miss, uh, that I think is kind of interesting, I was listening recently to a, a study about the idea of anointing in the Bible. Uh, and you, you see that here at the, the top here. It's the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Uh, and that word there, anointing, uh, it's, it's the Hebrew word, uh, mashach, mashach, uh, which means to uh, very literally smear oil upon someone. Um, it's a very physical, uh, it's not just a light touch, it's, it's very, you know, you're getting it in there a little bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it means to smear oil on somebody. Uh, and oil, uh, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a weird idea, really, when you think about it. And the, and the study I listened to talked about it in that, in that way, where smearing oil on somebody, it seems like an odd ritual, doesn't it? Um, you're taking this, this stuff, you're putting it on someone, and it's supposed to mean something, right? Um, and oil always um, comes back to, to what it is. What it, what's the substance it's made out of? It's made of the pressings of, of olives, right? It's made of the pressings of olives, and it's usually, uh, there's a... The specific oil in the Bible was, was made with particular uh, spices and, and good-smelling things that all uh, uh, are supposed to evoke the idea of garden itself, the, especially the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the Bible. Uh, and the idea is that when you're smearing oil on someone, you are um, placing them into, uh, I guess you could say, uh, a garden-like state. You are telling, you are declaring that this person is anointed with this kind of pure substance that represents uh, that garden mentality and putting it on their heads, right? Smearing it on your forehead um, kind of represents that, I think. It's sort of like a crowning of this, this Eden identity, this, this idea of purity and this idea of being at one with God, perhaps. Um, and what's, maybe you might even heard that when I, when I said it, that that word mashach, uh, that anointed one, um, that's where we get our word Messiah from, right? Uh, which later would be translated in the Greek to the word Christ, which also means the same thing, to the anointed one. <laughs> uh, the person who is ultimately anointed to do these things, the one who represents that garden identity, the one who represents um, the way humanity was always meant to be. Right at the beginning of time, at that book, that that first part in the book of Genesis, when it says God created man and woman in the image of God to uh, reign and rule in His stead, to be His representatives on this earth, um, to uh, richly multiply and bless all the world around them, to take care of the world, to give names to the world, to say what it is, to speak out and say, declare the goodness of God over all things and everything they touch to make grow and come to life. Um, that identity of humanity is kind of all wrapped up in that little act. It, and it's actually kind of profound, really, to such a small thing. To smear oil on someone is supposed to declare them um, part of that reality of humanity, I think. Um, and so what it says here... Uh, uh, 
that you're anointed to do these things, that it's, it's, that's where it's coming from. That reality of humanity is this is what we're meant to be. Uh, not brokenhearted, but healed. Um, not captives, but set at liberty. Um, that this is the reality of humanity is, is this setting free, this breaking forth, this light in the darkness. Um, a few other things. Um, I guess I'll point this out. I, I just thought, I, I thought this was interesting. The first time I saw this, I was studying this the other day. Um, and it's this little phrase, and it's, it's a sort of a famous phrase, um, the phrase, beauty for ashes. Um, beauty for ashes. Um, and we don't really see it in, in English, but this is, this, is a, this is a pun, believe it or not. <laughs> it's, a, it's a poetic device going on here. In uh, the Hebrew, this would be, uh, the word for beauty is, um, try to get this right, pe'er, uh, and the word for ashes is efer. Uh, so you're giving your pe'er for efer, pe'er for efer. And maybe those don't sound super similar to you, um, but these two words are spelled with the exact same three letters, and they're just slightly mixed up. And so if you were looking at this visually, um, it would be quite striking that beauty and ashes I have this, this similar um, visual representation. <laughs> um, and whenever the Bible does that, the Bible does these, these kinds of little things all the time, where if you were reading in Hebrew, you'd notice them, um, where they're, they're visually similar, or there's a, like a sound pun where things sound alike. Um, what's that, what's that all that's really supposed to do is supposed to alert you as the reader um, to something um, perhaps more uh, profound, perhaps more... Uh, in depth, instead of, you know, just beauty, one word for ashes, just the idea. There's something um, significant in the fact that these things are so alike. They're so close together that, that uh, they, all you have to do is switch the smallest thing and you, you change from some the worst state to the best state. Uh, and I, I think that's what it's supposed to suggest, is this idea of how easily God can take things that seem desolate it seem in the worst state, and it just takes the smallest touch, right? Switching of two letters, and suddenly you've gone from ashes, destruction, desolation. I mean, look at all the images in this, in this passage. Um, ruins and desolation, ruined cities, desolations that have lasted for generations and generations, it says in verse 4. Um, that's, that's a pretty bleak picture, but it's one that we're fairly familiar with in, with humanity, right? Um, and we're, I think Naya is going to talk a little bit more about this later, but there's this, this phrase, the spirit of heaviness, right? Uh, and that's something I think as humans we, we find we're really familiar with. And sometimes we kind of get this idea that that's the meaning of humanity. Um, there's, there's so many poets and philosophers and movies um, and, and artistic depictions of humanity that, that kind of uh, dwell on this picture, right? This, this destruction, desolation, darkness, um, the fact that we as humans kind of live in the midst of this pit, <laughs> this constant uh, awfulness, right? Um, and that I guess the good news is that, well, we have each other, or just buck up, or it, 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 it'll get better maybe, right? And, uh, well, you know, it's, it's beautiful, the, the destruction maybe even. Sometimes people celebrate the, the fact that everything's destroyed and dark and awful. Um, and that's sometimes just our, our idea of humanity, is, it's, is the messiness, and we leave it at that. Uh, we leave it at that sometimes. Um, but this picture, 
this picture of a God who, when he enters the picture, when he touches, <laughs> uh, that his anointing power, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to come and be here. And when I'm here, things start to shift. Things start to change, right? Um, we start to regain something. Uh, and the reason I, I want to bring out the, uh, the garden imagery, I think, is because I like the depiction of God as a gardener. And one of the reasons I, I wanted to start back in chapter 60 is because we, we get this interesting little phrase where we see that um, in verse 21, we see that he depicts himself as a great gardener um, caring for his people. And he calls the people um, some, um, so your version might say a branch. Um, I've also seen a sapling. Uh, I like sapling a little better because it depicts this, this idea of, of starting somewhere small, right? And it goes on even to say, um, the work of his hands, that'll be glorified. It's a little one. It's just a little one, something small. And you think about gardening and, and what that experience is like. It's, it's not instant, is it? Any of you who have had gardens or have taken care of plants, it's nothing that um, you just snap your fingers and it happens, right? It's something that takes care and gentleness, right? You can't be rough with plants, right? You're not going to get very far in a garden if you're tearing up the ground and you're kicking things and you're, and you're taking the seeds and you're throwing them. You know, you're, you're whatever. You're not, you're, you're not going to get anything to grow this way. Um, gardeners have to be patient. They have to be gentle. They have to be intentional and caring. Well, everything they do has a purpose and a reason. The amount they water, the, the type of soil that, they, that they're using, right? Uh, what the, how they treat the seeds, right? And the thing about gardening is where you start from uh, always looks like this picture. Desolation, destruction, um, just a barren field, right? It it's, looks like an empty lot at the beginning. Um, but something small starts growing, something very minute and almost, you know, it seems when you think of this, the way plants start, when they come out of the ground, they, they're delicate and they, they're totally, they seem totally worthless, don't they? They're just little green leaves that you can't do anything with, you can't eat, you can't, uh, they don't look beautiful, it's, it's just simple and grungy. But time and patience and the work of the gardener make something beautiful. And what once may have looked, what have looked like a barren, worthless patch of ground suddenly is a place that people want to come to, a place that people come and say, this is a place of worth and value, a place where there is fruit and beauty and goodness. I mean, a garden is a place that people want to be. They want to spend time in a garden because they are beautiful and they smell good. And they're, they're a place that, that evokes something deep within us where we're saying, where we have a, I mean, gardens just feel peaceful, don't they? Have you ever been to a place that's like a bigger hanging garden or... Uh, a rose garden, perhaps. It's somewhere that people want to just sit and be for a while. It's, it's a place of peace and tranquility. Um, and so I like that picture where it starts out in verse 60, where it's, it's just saplings that he's treating with. But by the time you get to... Uh, try to find the verse here. No, I can't. You know, the one about the oaks or the trees. 
Oh, there it is. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's, it's in verse 3 where it's, he starts. So he starts out, you know, the little saplings, these, these things he's caring for. And it uses the same phrase uh, that I think it, we're supposed to be, be seeing this as, a, as a, a give and a take, something that starts one way and ends another way because it's, um, you know, the, the sapling that is the work of his hands that he may glorify. And then by verse 3 in chapter 61, um, they take off their spirit of heaviness. They have the oil of joy, and they were going to be called trees of righteousness, the plantings of the Lord, that he may be glorified again. Um, I, I, think that's, I think that's a good word, isn't it? This idea of wherever you're at, wherever you're starting with, the promise is this picture of a strong, sturdy tree, an oak, and actually some versions say an oak, <laughs> something sturdy and strong um, that can bear up the weight of other things, that create, can create growth for many other plants uh, and create life for other animals and things like that. It's, it's a beautiful picture. Um. Yeah, so with that, just thinking about, okay, so we have this promise of being oaks of righteousness or being trees of righteousness. And I don't know about you, but I think oftentimes there may be days that we feel, oh, wow, I am that oak of righteousness. And some days we feel like we're still that little sapling. <laughs> And I think we oftentimes base that off of how we're doing or how we feel, how connected we feel with the Lord or different things like that. So I just kind of want to share just even personally, I just in coming into this message or whatever, I was just that idea of the spirit of heaviness. I was just kind of feeling that and just... Um, feeling just really heavy, and in a sense, even just shame. And I think sometimes we think of shame as, oh, we did something awful, and then we're experiencing shame, which is definitely um, an experience of shame we can have. But sometimes as Christians, I think we can even glorify shame in a sense where... Um, if we feel like we hadn't been living up to a certain standard, living up to what we think we should be doing as Christians or how we should be connecting with the Lord or how often we should be connecting with the Lord, then sometimes I've allowed myself to think, oh, well, feeling a little bit of shame um, is actually probably a good thing because I... I shouldn't have done this, or I shouldn't have um, not spent time with the Lord in this way or whatever it is. And so I think sometimes we think, oh, well, I'll just feel a little bit of shame, and then I'll let the Lord forgive me. Um, and But what often happens for me is that little bit of shame becomes its seed of its own, and then it becomes this spirit of heaviness, this cloak of heaviness. Um, and so, and I'll just say, like, after having Vela and just this new season of life, my personal time with the Lord has looked very different. And so I think that has been part of that spirit of heaviness and shame over me is I 
don't have the same amount of uninterrupted time to just sit and um, really dig into the word like I maybe did before having her. And so really learning and recognizing with the Lord, letting him be that gardener and helping me understand in this season of my life what intimacy with looks like with him has definitely been a part of my journey. Um, but with that shame, the other day I was just praying and asking the Lord. I was like <sighs> trying to come to him, but I was just, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I felt like he was saying, he gave me this picture um, of just this heavy cloak, like just just really, really heavy cloak that I was just kind of dragging my feet and like just feeling so heavy and exhausted. And he gave me the sense that it's, it's just clothes. It's just what you're wearing. Just let me take that heavy cloak off and replace it with that garment of praise. And so even in the midst of that, so then I just spent a little bit of time just praising and worshiping him. And I know sometimes, like, we always say, oh, that's the solution, that's the solution. But the thing is, it didn't fix what I was dealing with necessarily. But what it does is it shifts your perspective. It shifts it and allows you to be clothed in the garment of praise. It allows you to be clothed in that kindness, humility. In Colossians, there's um, verses about being clothed in kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and all of those things that the Lord is. And so I felt like he was just sharing with me that, like, like what clothes are you wearing? <laughs> like, what are you putting on yourself each day? And what he was trying to help distinguish for me is, as his daughter, I am always positionally his daughter. I will always be his daughter. I will always be a child of God, regardless of what I'm choosing to do or not do, because I know him and I have a relationship with him. But what we wear is what is reflected to the people around us. What we wear is how the Holy Spirit um, is released from us and how people are able to interact with who God is in us. And it's also how we experience our relationship with the Lord. Um, and so oftentimes we may be wearing shame, we may be wearing fear, we may be wearing these different things without even realizing it. And I think that was one of the things is these different thoughts that I was having about myself of like, oh, you just, you need to spend more time with the Lord or you need to do this. I thought, oh, well, those are good thoughts, <laughs> you know, but what it was doing is it was creating this cloak of shame over me that was basing everything that I saw about myself on what I was doing. And so when we do that, it just, it takes away, or like the truth really is what set us free. 
And I know oftentimes, almost every time I come up here, I talk about lies and truth, but I think it's so important that we can identify those lies and speak the truth. Because if we don't, if we just keep coasting through our life, we're not going to actually realize what we're carrying, what's weighing us down, what's pressing us down. Um, and when we realize that oh, it's, it's just a robe, it's just a cloak, <laughs> It takes just one gesture of just praise to the Lord for that to slide off of us and for him to envelop us in his praise, in his kindness, in his goodness. And I feel like that just ties so much with um, the garden imagery because the thing in the midst of this, sometimes what ends up continuing the cycle of shame for me is as soon as I recognize, okay, I am operating under shame and guilt and condemnation, sometimes I just feel so worn out and so exhausted. I don't know if any of you have been in that place that you just feel so burnt out on whatever you've been wearing that the idea of running the race or the idea of, okay, now the Lord's going to clothe me, and now I have to be this perfect Christian, or now I have to um, just be full, 100%, like, snap my fingers, and there I am. I'm a transformed being. Um, can feel very overwhelming to me, um, because sometimes when you're under that spirit of heaviness. And I know I mentioned shame, but it could be grief or, like I said, fear or all kinds of different things. Um, but when you're under that spirit of heaviness, sometimes it can just, it just feels too heavy to even have the heaviness taken off. Sometimes it feels more comfortable to kind of just stay where you're at. Sometimes you may feel so pressed down and feel so compressed and, and you're just like doing nothing, but sometimes that's what you feel like you can do. And that, that idea of having that lifted off actually sounds scary. It actually sounds like, does that mean that I actually have to be brave? Does that mean I actually have to step into what God is calling me into? And so what I felt like the Lord was sharing with my heart too, um, in the midst of just feeling so weary is he, he was sharing with me, you, you don't have to run instantly. You don't have to be the fastest right away. You don't have to snap your fingers and be 100% the full oak of righteousness. And so I think that's where, like, that gardener, it's this process, it's this um, persistence, it's, it's him tending to us, tending to our hearts. And I think that's really what brings freedom, is recognizing if I have the spirit of heaviness lifted off of me, then I can experience the love and the praise and the goodness of God 
in the place that I'm at right now. And when I experience that right now, that'll launch me into this next step of experiencing that deeper level of goodness. And that'll launch me into the next step. And it's not, it's not this sprint. It's not this, okay, now I've had my time <laughs> of being um, just in a spiritual coma, I guess you could say, and now I need to get with it. Um, we were just recently talking with um, someone that, like, or she comes and, and plays with Bella and tells us about different developmental things. Anyways, but she was saying that, um, you know, just reminding us that when someone's in a coma, they, when they come out of that, they maybe have lost, <laughs> lost like a lot of muscle tone, a lot of, um, a lot of the things that they had known before. And it doesn't have to be this huge guilty thing. Like they just, they come out of that and they're able to, it might be a long journey, but they're able to go through physical therapy and learn to walk again, learn to um, read again, you know, different things that happen um, that, they maybe took for granted before. And she was using that to explain to us, um, like, you know, when our daughter, if there's different things she's not doing quite yet, or we're like, oh, you can roll, you can do it. There's a lot of muscles <laughs> that have to be worked and worked. And, and it's this patience and this growing to be able to do these different little steps. But anyways, um, yeah, so with that, just being able to release that cloak of heaviness and recognizing I'm not releasing this so that I, on the other side, that I'm just this perfect person that has it all together and that just has to be the full representation of the biggest tree of righteousness. But it's the Lord saying, allow me to pull these weeds from around you. Allow me to um, water you, to nurture you. And that in that place, we're able to be in this process of continual renewal, continual restoration, continual um, freedom, from these different lies and doubts that we have. And so I would encourage you guys, whether you feel like you've been in a spiritual coma for a long time, or whether it's even been, been just a couple days or a week, like we can take that time to say, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to allow shame to clothe me anymore. I'm not going to look in the mirror and see myself through the eyes of shame or fear or heaviness or grief, I am going to allow the Lord to clothe me, to wash over me. And what that may look like may be a little bit different in different seasons of my life. But the Spirit of the Lord will be upon me.
And I think we'll finish up soon here, but uh, I had was listening to what Nea was saying, and a picture came to my head. Uh, maybe it's kind of a funny one, I don't know. Um, but it was this picture. I don't know if you've ever watched like a nature documentary that kind of focused on plants before. I know, it sounds really, really exciting, doesn't it? I, I watched a couple, but if you've ever watched like a time lapse of like a plants growing, what they look like, uh, we kind of imagine plants just kind of just go, you know, a very forward momentum, very simple, straightforward. But it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting. They have kind of like it's like almost like a heartbeat if you speed it up really fast. It's kind of like a and the plant and the, the leaves go up and down, up and down, up and down. It's it's kind of this jump starts and spurts, and it and it takes this. It's like this. It almost looks like a, there's a like an effort to it a little bit, or it's like there's a, a momentum, like where it, it kind of has its starts and uh, an ebb and a flow to it. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I think sometimes as believers or uh, as people who are hoping to grow in Jesus, we, we sometimes get this picture that it's supposed to be this just very straightforward, um, straightforward incline where it's just, okay, always forward momentum. Um, I'm just always taking one step forward and it, it's never going to change. It's going to be very this, this steady, simple, straightforward process. Um, and we can get frustrated when it's not that way, right? <laughs> um, this last, uh, I've been, for the last 10 years, I've been, I've been running. I, I do a lot of, I try to do a lot of running. I started in high school, uh, just sort of, uh, I, I don't, I, I wasn't ever trained formally, and I was never on a running team. I just one day started running, and I've done it every other day for the last 10 years. And I've been, the, the last year, I, I've had this, this goal, okay, I want to maybe run a marathon, <laughs> <laughs> I, it never been something I'd contemplate, but this year I think I, I want to run. I want to run that marathon of Bemidji next year, and I, I was trying. I've been trying to train for it, but every uh, it seems like every time I get to a point where I'm just about to get a little farther in my mileage, something happens to my legs. I'll, I'll uh, you know pull a muscle or or you know trip on something and sprain my ankle. Or uh, this last just a couple days ago. Uh, I had just gotten back to that, oh yes, five miles, yes, so excited, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling, I'm feeling ready, I think, I think I, that prize, that marathon prize, it's, it's feeling possible, uh, and then I, I, I moved funny, I guess, I, I did a jumping jack, <laughs> one, one jumping jack took me out, right, I did one jumping jack, and both my Achilles tendons, both, like, tightened and, and had this sharp pain and I, and I could barely walk for the rest of the day and I was so disappointed, right? I was, and I was, the funny thing is, is the last month I've been, I've been trying to pray for my legs. I was okay, legs, you're going to do good. You're going to run. You're going to run and not grow weary. You're going to walk and not grow faint, right? And then I, you know, the second day they had pain and they weren't working the way I wanted them to. I was suddenly cursing them, legs, you're worthless. What, what's you doing? You, you, you never do what I want you to. Now I'm laid up for two weeks. Come on. You know, and I'm, you know, the way we see ourselves sometimes, it's kind of funny. And so I'm talking to my brother about this the other day, right? And he says, well, Peter, have you been stretching properly? It sounds like you're not stretching properly. I went, well, you know, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm patient enough to stretch properly and do all that stuff. And he's like, well, there you go. That's what you're gonna get. You're always gonna you're gonna be constantly hitting those those benchmarks if you're not patient and take the time to care for yourself the way you need to. Um, 
And so I think that's part of our message. I think that's maybe the, the takeaway here is this picture of a gardener, a good God who is patient. He's very patient. He's very gentle. And he, he's not sitting there with this dour look saying, oh, you didn't meet your goals. You haven't, you haven't checked off all the boxes. Oh, you took one step back. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, getting, you're getting your Christian points docked off on the, on the great grading scale of the universe, right? That's that's not how he, he thinks. That's not how he works. It's not his, his motivation in relating to us. Um, I think he, it's so much simpler than that. We make it too complicated. He just wants to be with us. He wants to love us. He wants to watch us grow. And so if there's anybody in here who feels like they've been fallow ground, <laughs> if there's anybody here or watching online who ever felt like uh, maybe at one time they, they felt like they were growing, maybe they had the hope for a beautiful garden and maybe things seemed to deteriorate over time, or you went through a season where there was dryness and everything seemed to dry up, like Naya was talking about. It just felt like everything kind of, all the, what seemed like was going to become good fruit suddenly kind of shrivels up, and it seems like, well, where's the life? Where's the water? Where's the hope? Um, I want to just preach hope today. We want to um, celebrate the personhood of Jesus who, who comes in the name of replacing death with life itself, who says, I want to exchange heaviness with joy. I want to exchange captivity and darkness with light and freedom. And it's not going to happen overnight. Maybe it will. Um, but the hope that the place you are in, no matter who you are, what you've gone through, um, how fallow you think you are, even it says here, even if it seems like generations, <laughs> Uh, if maybe your dad and your granddad and your great-granddad were all barren plots of land and you're just uh, another generation of worthlessness in your perspective, there's hope for you. Something will grow. Something good will come for you. And you can be a place where God says, where you recognize God has made me to be uh, in this place of wholeness, of healthiness, of readiness to bring forth life into this world. <laughs> Right? The good life of Jesus Christ can rest in me and be a part of who I am. That's my purpose. That's all of our purposes in this world. We're all little gardens, and we go out into the world, and we create spaces of life and goodness, and we can all be a part of it, and we're all on our own little journey, right? Um, so uh, patience with ourselves and relying on, on him, right? He is that good gardener. He has the skills to till that ground, to bring forth life. He's going to do it, but we need to trust that he will in his good time. So uh, we're going to pray for ourselves here. Jesus, we offer ourselves to you as little plots of land, as little spaces for you to create good gardens of beauty and wonder, uh, places that people come to and say, there's something good here. There's something I want to stay and be connected to and be near to here. Um, Jesus, wherever we are, maybe we feel like we're the total opposite of that today. Um, we just speak hope into that place. Those seeds are going to spring forth in their time, in their time, with the care of the good gardener who sees little saplings become great trees in their time, and he is the one who has the patience for it. We don't always um, but you do. So Jesus, we pray that we would see ourselves and those around us through your eyes, the eyes of your time scale, the, the eyes of not seeing things as goal-oriented or always looking for just the next thing to get better and better, but looking to you as who you are, that gentle, tender carer 
of ourselves and our spirits. And so, Jesus, we thank you. We celebrate you. We thank you for our time. In your name, amen. All right. Uh, we do have a meal, uh, like I mentioned earlier. So um, you're welcome uh, to stay for that, to fellowship with each other. Um, we thank you for being here. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Have a good week. Dark and flushed out the